You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. So we have a very special treat this morning. Whenever I was in middle school, I saw a girl walking down the hallway and I thought that it was the most beautiful thing that I had ever seen, even though I was dating someone else. I wanted to marry her. Hey, listen, I ain't always been Christian. That, <laughs> that ain't the right thing to do, but I ain't always been a Christian. But so I wanted to marry her then and I, and I knew that. And, but I was dating someone else and I, I've continued to date someone else. And then whenever me and that someone else were not dating anymore, I immediately <laughs> pursued, like, I mean, that, like that same day went to, <laughs> started pursuing Parrish and, um, she has been my helpmate, uh, for the last 12 years and she is going to preach this morning. She's going to bring the word and she's going to do a phenomenal job. So y'all... Show some love for my beautiful wife, Parrish Stone. That's my pretty baby, y'all. That's my pretty husband and my pretty baby. All right, well, um, as people continue to trickle in, I'm just going to really quickly pray over the word. I believe that when you allow God in, when you're speaking or if you're just in the, if you're actually listening and you allow God in to actually do what he wants in the service, really amazing things happen, I believe. And so I'm going to take a moment and I'm just going to pray over this service. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house this morning. We thank you for the freedom that you've given us to come boldly to the throne of grace, Father. I thank you for this word as it comes forth, God, that it will touch every heart in this place. I thank you that every heart and every mind that has come in with an expectation will leave out of here with it and with it forever changed in their life. God, I ask that they chew on this word and they begin to see themselves the way that you see them. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that as you gave this word to me, Lord, and you use me as a vessel, God, that it will touch every person in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm not going to lie, I may be a little emotional today, because while I was writing this sermon two days ago, because God changed it on me three times, I think he was doing that, honestly, to see if I was ready, because I kept telling him I wasn't, and he's like, girl, yeah, you are. So he was showing me that I was ready. And um, I was sitting in, in my office ready to sit down and really write this sermon. I'm like, okay, Lord. And I was speaking in tongues and I'm like praying in tongues. And I'm like, okay, Lord, the word you gave me, you just told me I can't do that word. And the word you gave me last week, you told me I can't do that word. So what is the word today? And God just showered me with this, this word today. And I am just, I'm honestly, I can't stop crying because the powerful our powerful God, he loves us so much and we are so worth it to him. And I know that this has been a theme in my spirit for quite a while about our value. So the sermon that I'm preaching to you today is about you and about God and how much he loves you. So the title of my sermon today is you are worth it because you are, 
You are worth it. Every single one of you are worth it. And my points are, you are loved, you are valuable, you are beautiful, and you are important. I feel like God is really wanting, he has a theme going on, and he wants you to see, I don't care if you're a man, you're still beautiful. You're beautiful to God. If we can get up and sing how beautiful he is, what makes you more of a man than him? You are just as beautiful as he is. You are loved is my first point today. And everything that God has given me today, I want you to know was in scripture. I found verses for all of it. So you can't argue with me about this, okay? You can't try to tell me that you've done too much to, to love God or for God to love you. You can't tell me that you were born into the wrong family and that God doesn't love you. You can't tell me, well, Paris, you don't know what I did yesterday because God loves you anyways. It's not about your merit, but it is about what he did. You are loved. To, I wanted to look up the word loved because we use it all the time. Oh, I love you. Do you send texts? You know, I love you. You know, we say it every time someone leaves. When we get off the phone, I love you. But I wanted to know what does loved mean? What does God mean when he says that he loves us? And it says to find pleasure in or to be devoted to. I never realized that it said that. I didn't realize that the definition actually says that, we, that it is a devotion that it is truly a heart devotion. Your heart has made its mind up that it will devote itself to you or to that person that you love. How do I know this? Well, let's go to the scripture about it. There is a very, very, very common scripture. Most of you probably know it by heart. It's called John three sixteen, right? It's a very, very known scripture about love and what Jesus did. And 17, I don't know if a lot of you know that one, but that one goes along with it. So we're going to read in the word right now, John 3, 16. If you want to put it up on, thank you. Whitney, you're doing great already because we did not plan this ahead of time. So um, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And then in 17, it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. God did not come into this world. He did not send Jesus into this world to condemn you. He did not send Jesus into this world to condemn you. So the first thing I want to say right now is if you are constantly in condemnation, battling yourself, listening to the lies of the devil that tell you you're ugly and that you're not important and that nobody values you, those are lies. That is not God talking to you. It says right here in his word that Jesus did not come to condemn us, but that the world through him would have salvation that we would be saved. So every time you feel that condemnation on you and you feel like you're not worth it, I want you to know right now that you are worth it. That is not why Jesus came. It says it in his word that he came because he loved you. It said, for God so loved the world. God so devoted himself to you. God so devoted himself to you. He has pleasure in you. That is why he did what he did. And I always go back to the story of Adam and Eve. It's a very common story. A lot of people know it. We know what happened, right? God created an Adam and Eve. He created a being that would spend time with him. He created a companion. We were made for God. We were created just for him, right? And God gave us it all. He gave us everything. God created us, and then we know the serpent came. And he lied to Eve, and he said, you want to be smart like God? Sure, he was. 
But do you want to be like God? He even used God to entice her. Do you want to be like God? If you eat the fruit of knowledge and wisdom, you'll know everything God knows, and you won't die. I know that's what God said, but you won't. But what they didn't realize is that their spirit did die that day, and they were separated from God at that moment that they ate that fruit. That was the only thing in a garden of plenty where everything was perfectly made for you, where you lacked nothing, and we had to have the one thing. We had to have the one thing that he said, don't eat that. That's it. Just don't eat that one tree. So when we did, we know what happened. The curse came. We were separated from God, and sin was now, we were sin conscious at that point. We now knew that there was sin. There were things that we could do that were against God, right? So we know that happened. Now, me, if I was God, and I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty loving person. Like, I, I really do love people. But I would not have tried to fight for them. I'm sorry. It might have been my creation, but I'd have burned that world down and started all over. I'd have been so mad at them for portraying something that was not me, for going against what I had created them for, that I'd have probably got mad and just said, well, we're burning it down. We're going to start all over. But you know why God did not do that? Why our God is so much better at God than me? Because he was already devoted. He already loved you. He was already in love with you. I love my kids more than anything. And as a mom, I know exactly how he feels because my son and my daughter, I would not start over if they came out with a disability or if they did something bad in church or they acted out or they sinned. I would not start over. They're my, they're my creation. I love them. I am devoted to them. They are my life. And that is exactly how God feels about you. That is exactly how he feels about you. You are not an accident. Yes, we made a mistake, but you know what? Jesus said, God said, you know what? I will not start over. They are my people and I love them. So you know what he did? He sent Jesus. He created a man that was God and man, and he sent him to the earth to go through everything that we go through, to die on a cross, and to, to literally be beaten for our, for our transgressions and for our freedom. He did that. He gave his son away because he loved me, because he loved you. So he gave up his only begotten son, so he could have all his sons and daughters again. And he's proud of you. He's proud of you. That same pride is when your kids come in on Mother's Day and they're like, Mommy, look what I made you today. And it looks a hot mess 99% of the time, depending on the age. Sometimes you can't read it. You don't know that's a dinosaur, hugging another dinosaur. And that's the mommy dinosaur and the baby dinosaur. But you don't know that. So you say, baby, it is so beautiful. What is it? Tell mommy, what did you draw me? And then they say, mommy, it's a mommy dinosaur and a baby dinosaur. And they love each other, right? And what does that child do with that creation that he made? He waits till we get home and he says, mama, where are you going to put my picture? 
on the fridge, right? You're going to take Malachi's and Savannah's down, and you're going to put mine up there, right? Because it's a dinosaur. Loving its mama's dinosaur, right? So I say this being funny because it really is real. When we create something ourselves, we are so proud of that. And even though it may not be perfect, we don't care. We don't care because we're devoted to it. We're proud of it. So I want you to see something here. I want you to see something here. If God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that's a pretty big devotion I feel like already. But he had created us and already fallen in love with us and already done all these things because he had spent time with him. He said that Adam and God walked together and they spent time together. And when you spend time with someone, what happens? You grow a relationship, a bond that you can't easily break. And it grew into love and God loved us and he devoted himself and he was not giving up on you just because we decided to go against him. And again, if I was God, that would not have, it would not have went that way. It would not have went that way. You are valuable is my second point today. And I looked up the definition of valuable because I'm like, okay, we know what loved is now. It, may, it basically means total devotion. I am completely devoted to you. And God has devoted himself to us. That is why he's so good. But now we have, you are valuable. Something of great worth. So we're worth it, right? If we're valued, that means that obviously we're worth it. We're worthy. Not because of what we did, let me tell you. It's because of what he did. Jesus is like, I already have the love. I've given it to you. I've given you a second chance. I've done all these things for you because I love you so much. But you have a value to you that you don't realize that you have. And a lot of times we don't walk out our blessing or what God has called us to do or our purpose because we don't know what our value is. And if you want to go to Romans 5, 6 through 11, I'm going to show you that you are valuable. Romans 5, 6 says, For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. So I want to stop here for just a second. It does not say that Christ died for the Christians. It does not say that Christ died for the ones that helped him or believed in him or laid hands on the sick. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, well, only for the disciples. It said it, Christ died for the ungodly, the ones that didn't believe in him. <laughs> Who does that? Really? I love my kid, and there is no way I would give my child up for someone else. And I don't care how much I like you. That's my baby, and that ain't happening. But he did it for the ones that spit on him. He did it for the ones that beat him. He did it for the ones that laughed at him and mocked him and it says in seven for scarcely for a righteous man will one die yet perhaps if he's a good man someone would even dare to die but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners Christ died for us much more than having now been justified by his blood 
we shall be saved from wrath through him. And in 10, it says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received our reconciliation. This is the word, y'all. I did not make this up, I promise you. It is in the word. It says here, that someone may may demonstrate, sorry, my nose is running from the crying, may demonstrate their love, right? And they may say, okay, if it's a righteous man and he's, thank you so much. If it's a righteous man and he's a good guy, I mean, he really is good to people. He's done a lot of good things in his life. Maybe one man might die for him. Maybe. If he's a really good guy and he's really righteous and he really helps people and he is awesome, maybe one man might die for him. Maybe. If they really like him a lot, right? But Jesus, he said, you know what? I see the future and I know what God did. I know what he created. I've seen them perfect before. I've seen them righteous before. I saw that when Adam was naming the animals. I saw it when Adam and Eve were, were um, living in the garden and having dominion and raising up the animals like their own children and doing these things that God had created them to and walking with God. I saw that already. So I know what their potential is. I know what their potential is. I'm not dying for this guy down here that keeps mocking me. I'm not dying for the one that's laughing over there. I'm dying for their potential because I see them the way God sees them. I don't see the sinners. I see the righteous man. So when Jesus got on that cross and he chose that life to live, he chose to die that day. He could have easily lied to the Pharisees, to the Romans. He could have lied to the Romans and said, no, I never said I was the Messiah. Mm-mm, that was not me, some other guy. And they would have actually had to, by law, let him go. And he knew that. But he said, yeah, that's me. I am the son of God. Knowing that he was going to die for the one standing there mocking him at that moment. Who else in the world would die for you? Who, have you thought about that before? Like, who loves me that much that they would give their life for me? I don't know anyone, and my kids love me a lot. I'm the coolest mom ever. Ask them. Well, maybe don't ask all of them, but maybe some of them. Oh, I know, ask my nieces and nephews, because Dodo is the coolest. But I don't know anybody that would die for me. But Jesus did it without any strings attached, because he saw you the way that God does. And you know what's crazy about the whole thing, before I move on to my next point, is we did not deserve it. We did not deserve it. 
But we get this unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor and grace every day. He gave it to us then, and he gives it to you now. Every time you're in a moment or a situation, God has an answer for it. There is no tribulation that you face that God does not already have a blessing for. There is no tribulation that you face that God does not already have a blessing for. He already knew what you were going to deal with. He already knew what you were going to face. Jesus went through kind of the ultimate deal there. I mean, and then Paul, who came later for the Gentiles, was beaten with an inch of his life more than once and put in a prison underneath the ground. So these men have gone through a lot to get us where we are today so that we know the truth and that we know that Jesus loves us and that we are under the grace and we were not we were we did not deserve it but we sure were worth it. My third point today is that you are beautiful. And for all the men in the room, yes, I am talking to you too. Beautiful may be a word that people use as a femininity to say, okay, well, this is a women word, a woman word. I tell my kids all the time they're beautiful. My boys, my girls, it don't matter. And I tell Jesus he's beautiful. I sing about it because beauty is powerful. The word beauty, beautiful, actually means very high standard, excellent. You are excellent to God. You are beautiful to him. When he sees you, he sees the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Jesus did what he did so God did not have to see any lack in our life ever again. He doesn't care what you did yesterday before you got here. He doesn't care. He only cares what your heart says. Do you believe that he's real? Do you believe that he's the son of God? Do you believe that Jesus died for you? That is all he is worried about is what your heart condition is. And I'm not saying he don't care that you go through things, so I don't want you to misunderstand me. He does care what you go through, but he also knows you have a resource to get through every bit of it. He has already sent. He sent a Bible, a living word to you, and he sent a Holy Spirit inside you that helps you through all of it. Not only that, he puts out angels before you every single day to fight your battles. Can you imagine the amount of sickness on each and every one of us if there was not an angel on our behalf every day? When we walk by that person with mono or we, you know, we, I don't know. I don't even know how mono spreads, but you know. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you, if you could see what's behind the scenes in the spirit realm, you would be shocked at how much God's efforts are. How much he does every day of your life. How he keeps that chair sitting up when it should have broke. How he, and I'm just saying that as a funny joke, but. But, you know, as when you go into the grocery store, how he sets up those divine appointments and he's like, oh, this girl over here has been struggling with depression, but I'm going to send this girl that just got over depression and I'm going to have them in the store at the same time, getting the apples at the same time. And she's going to drop something and start crying. And that other girl's going to go, what's going on with you? And she's going to say, I've been depressed and I'm sad. And then she's going to say, you know what? My God, just help me through that. Let me help you. He sets up divine appointments. He has angels everywhere for you. And sometimes I think those angels get in like a football stance and they're all around each other. And they're like, oh, it's going to be a big day, y'all. It's Sunday. You know what happens on Sunday? Those little demons try to come out and really attack right before church. So we got to get all around all of them at the same time. Put up our lines 
when those, when those devils come, we say, Jesus. Yep. Jesus. Stupid devil. Back up, back up. Give me 50 feet. Sorry, I know that's a rap song. I probably shouldn't sing that. Move, devil. Get out the way. Get out the way. I'm sorry. Y'all, the hip-hop's coming out in me. But I want you to see something here. I want you to see something here. I want you to really see something here, okay? You do not fight your battles alone. You never will. You never have. God plus me is the majority. God plus me is the majority. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it says this. I'm going to prove that you're beautiful right now. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And he's talking to the Holy Spirit at this point. I don't know if y'all know that, but this is God and the Holy Spirit talking because he says our. Because Jesus was already there in the beginning in a spirit. He was the Holy Spirit. Then God said, and this is in Genesis, by the way before Jesus came, before sin, before all of it. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Not just the dude, y'all not just the dude. They were both created in the image of God. And I know as a woman, I'm going to preach to the girls for just a second. As a woman, we face that a lot. Or we look in the mirror and we don't feel worthy. And I know the guys do too, but you know, they're, they don't talk about it. You know, they're a little bit more cocky than we are. In a good godly way, of course. But us as women, we beat ourselves up and we compare ourselves. Oh, I'm not as good of a mom as, as she is, or but I'm not as pretty as she is, or I'm not wearing a two-piece because you don't want to see me in one, or I'm going to wear makeup every day because I'm ugly. Oh, I can't go up there and preach because I'm not good at that. Oh, I can't be in kids' church because the kids don't like me. They just walk all over me. I'm going to tell you something right now. God puts dreams in our hearts. And as children, why is it that we can believe in them then? But then as we grow into adults and we've faced a little adversity and we've maybe heard some lies from the enemy that we decide that we're not good enough for those dreams anymore, why do we do that? Why is it that as a child, we are so convinced that we'll be a cop when we grow up or a firefighter or a teacher? But then whenever we face reality, we realize, oh, we're probably good as a gas station clerk. Not that they're bad. God calls people to that too. I am just saying we don't live our potential. We don't live our potential because we let the lies of the enemy, we let these images of who we, he portrays us to be, and that's who we see in the mirror. And then we start to point out all our flaws. Well, I'm sorry, but when you look in the mirror and you say something negative about yourself, and I am definitely speaking to myself here, you are contradicting the word of God. If you can sit in a mirror and look at yourself and call yourself ugly, you know who you're calling ugly? You're calling God ugly. 
When you sit in the mirror and you say, I'm so fat, nobody's ever going to like me. I'm going to be single forever. Is that really what God would say about you? Yeah, you might have an overweight eating problem, and that's okay. You can work through that too. But all I'm saying is a fat girl is just as beautiful as a skinny girl because it doesn't matter about what your body type is. A black man is just as handsome as a white man. It doesn't matter what his skin color is. It doesn't matter if you're young and just got into Jesus and the word of God or if you've been in it for years and years and years. None of that matters. Do you get that? None of that matters. What you need to do is believe in yourself and love yourself and know that God has created you for such a time as this. You are so beautiful to God. You are so valuable to God. You are so loved by God. You are excellent. There ain't no... There ain't no flaws in excellent. I mean, excellent's a pretty good word to use. I mean, besides righteous or perfect, but they're all right there together. Start seeing yourself the way God sees you. When people talk about my kids, I'm always like got my ear out, you know, like listening. What are they going to say about them? Are they going to say, oh, these kids drive me insane. They are such bad kids. I don't like being around the stone kids. Or if they say, man, those are some good kids. Maybe not when their mom and dad are around, but, you know, for the most part. Those kids are beautiful. They look just like their mom and dad. I want to hear that. I want to hear, man, Carlisle, he is one handsome dude. He looks just like his daddy. Oh, that Harper, she is precious. She looks just like her mama. And I don't care what y'all say, she looks like me. I have brown hair, maybe. Sometime. Sometimes when I color it, that color. What I'm saying is, I am so proud when people say that my kids look like me or Casey. I'm proud when they say, oh, man, they just have God like you do. Or I can tell you raised them right at home. It makes me so proud because they are my image. And they have my last name. And when they go out and do silly stuff, you know who they're going to call? Daddy. Yeah, they're going to call Daddy. Yeah, sure. That's when I say, those are your kids. They're not mine. They're yours. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, I say all that to say this. We love our kids. We, we are proud of them. And that is how God is. And I know all of you in this room don't have children. I know all of you in this room are not married, but you've loved someone. Every person in this room has loved someone, whether it be your child, whether it be your spouse, whether it be just a very important significant other, whether it be your parents, whether it be your grandparents, a best friend, a sister, a brother, a grandchild. You have all loved someone. And you would not give that person up for anything. How do you think God feels about you? He is not giving up on you just because you drank Saturday night. Come on. He is not giving up on you because you've got an addiction that you're working through. He is not giving up on you because you may be a little risque at church. You might maybe wear something a little, not everybody would agree with, you know. I'm being silly because it's all silly. 
That stuff is nothing to God. What he cares about is your heart condition. That's what he cares about. He cares about your heart. And if your heart is like, God, I will do anything for you. I devote myself to you. I open my heart to you. I may make mistakes, God, but I still come back to you. I don't sit on the ground and and waller in my self-pity. I don't cry on the floor and act like I'm over and that I can't get through life. You gave me this life, God, and I will live it for you. I don't care if yesterday I failed. I will get up again and I will fight one more time. Because I am beautiful. I am valuable. My fourth point today is you are important. How many of you don't feel like you are? Don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but thanks, Shay. Um, a lot of times we get in life and we see how these other people have these like big jobs and they're successful or, you know, we compare ourselves to the way these other people mom their kids or father their kids and we think, man, we just got to be better. We got to be better. We're always comparing ourselves. You know, oh, how are they a pastor of a church? Or man, I'd love to be a worship leader one day. First of all, I want to say, what are you doing to get to your goal? What are you doing to get to your goal? Because if you're sitting down just waiting on God to do something, that's not happening. He is moved by faith. Now, if you say, I know I can do that. I know I can do that. I'm going to believe what the word says. I'm beautiful. I'm perfect. I'm wonderfully made. I am the righteousness in Christ Jesus. I am important to God. I'm going to do this. And you take steps that God reveals to you to get there. You'll be a worship leader. You'll be successful. Whatever it is. that For me, it was a worship leader calling. And, of course, you know, eventually preacher, you know. Which I like doing, y'all. Um, you have to realize your importance. You have to realize that you mean a lot to God. It's not just a value thing. You truly are important. And I'm about to read some scripture to you, and it's going to literally blow your mind. Because I'm going to prove to you how important you are in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. First of all, I want to tell you what important means of great significance or value. You are significant to God. You know that God cannot bring people into the kingdom of God without you? He can't. You think that if he came through the sky, well, he he might save some people, I don't know. He's gonna scare a lot of people though. If he came through the sky and he started talking to you through the clouds, I don't think that's gonna go very well. Really, I don't. We have so much, we've lived so much life and we've been through so much that we, the first thing we think is that was something bad. We wouldn't think of God being that way. We wouldn't. Even though it's, it, it would be a complete miracle, that'd be way cool. For the ones that know God, we'd be like, man, that's awesome. The ones that don't know God, they'd be like, oh, I'm out. Running in their high heels like this. So, He sends us to do it for him. In Genesis 1, we're going to keep reading. We had already read 26 and 27. We're going to keep going. We're going to go down to 28. It says, then God blessed them and God said to them, of course, he's talking about Adam and Eve still, you know, the, the men that he created, man and woman. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
And God said in nine, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be more food. It shall be food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made altogether. And indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were of the sixth day. So God says, okay, Adam and Eve, you are my coaches, okay? I'm going to send you out to the ball field. I don't know why I'm using football references. I don't even like football. Anyway, we're going to go with it, right? I'm going to send you out to that field, and I need you to take care of that other team, right? Is that what he did? Hello? Anybody there? That's what he did. Okay, so he says, I need you to take care of all of it. But in the fact that you will have dominion over literally everything, that I have created it all just for you, it will all produce its own self. So the only thing you got to do is lay with each other and keep making babies. That's easy enough. Right? There's not a lot of kids in here, right? They don't know what lay with is. Yeah, yeah. We're okay with that. We didn't have to do anything. We literally did not have to work. God literally provided it all. The plants would make their own seeds and keep making the, re, re, reproducing. We lived in perfection. There was no rain at that time. We already know that, so we never had to, like, be under shelter. We got to walk around naked. We didn't have to worry about if somebody was wearing a Free People brand. But that's my favorite brand, by the way. We didn't have to worry about who looked good and who looked bad, who was popular and who wasn't. If Adam and Eve were fat, it didn't matter, right? Because everyone else would just follow suit, which I'm sure they were pretty plump because, you know, they had it all right there. They named all the animals. They had so much dominion. God literally made a world just for them. That is pretty neat. We don't look at this world today like God created it for us, do we? Most of the time it's like, oh, I woke up again. Hope there's coffee in the coffee pot. Oh, that's just me. I don't know about y'all. Oh, I'm alive again. I'm not a morning person, obviously. But, but, and if you are saying amen, that's exactly what I mean. We don't want to face the day because life is just, oh, you know, it's just, oh. We get up and it's like, oh, this day is going to be bad. I can already tell. And we like create our own bad day. We speak crap. Uh, sorry, but we do. We do. We say things, and we don't think that it's going to do anything to us, but it does because our words are so important. And every time we say a word, our hand is like a tongue. We know that the Hebrew word for tongue is yod, and that means to grab a hold of it. So every time we speak a word, a negative word, we just go on a roller coaster ride with that stupid word. I'm ugly. Okay, yeah, you are. I'm fat. Oh, yep, you are. I'm not valuable. Huh? Yeah, you're not. The devil loves that. If he can get you to say it out of your mouth, he loves it. That's exactly what he wants you to do, to speak it out here. Because up here, he can't control that. He can try to put thoughts in, but if we take them captive, there's nothing he can do about that. It's when we say, you know, whatever you're facing that we literally put ourselves in those walls. We put ourselves in that bondage with our own words. 
and God gave us everything. He literally gave us everything. Now, I know what you're thinking right now. I know what you're thinking. Because we think sometimes with our brain instead of our heart, and that's, that's okay. You know, it's a, it's a flesh thing. And you're all thinking right now, well, Paris, that's all Old Testament. That's all before the curse. That's all while everything was perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, in that time, we were created for perfection. We were created to live this awesome life. We were created to be worthy. We were created to be all of these things. We were created to be, my point was important. Yeah. (laughs) We were created to be important. But what about after the curse? Why are we important now? Because I don't feel like it. Well, I'm going to tell you. I know that it doesn't always seem like we're important when we are constantly faced with an enemy, but I want to tell you, based on what we're created to look like, do you think it's easy for the devil to look at us every day and see God? The reason that he hates us so much, literally can't stand you, and is always trying to take you out is because when he sees you, he sees God. We, he doesn't see Suzanne. He doesn't see Bree. He doesn't see Tamara or Jessica. He doesn't see Dean. He sees God and he hates it. He hates it, he hates it, he hates it. God sees our identity. He sees who we are. But the devil, he just sees a game. That's all he sees. He sees a game. Oh, I'm going to take God out today. I don't care which one I have to get. Because we're all God to him. In Mark 16, 15 and 18, I'm reading a lot of scripture, but it's because it's alive and y'all need to know what God says. So I'm not going to apologize for it. (laughs) In 15 it says, And he said to them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I want you yelling at the ants. Jesus loves you. I know you just bit my foot, and I want you dead, but you're going to go to heaven. Get crazy. I'm, I'm serious. You need to get crazy. It didn't say the people. It says every creature. He who believes in the ba- and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Now listen to me very closely because he has given you a mandate here. In my name, the name of Jesus, because this is in red, y'all, not on my print, but it is in red. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in other tongues. They will talk, but they will take up serpents, excuse me. And if they drink of anything deadly, it will not by any means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Okay, I got that. I haven't seen it, really, in this day and age, and there's a reason why. Because we've lost our confidence and our importance. Because we are called to do all of those things, and there are wonderful men and women out there that do. So the first thing it says in 15 is that we we are to preach the gospel to every creature. That's what he said. I want you to go out into the world and preach to every creature. He didn't say, just come to church on Sunday mornings in your little Christian bubbles and only talk to the other Christians. Sorry, that's not what he said. He said, I need you to go out into the world, the people that don't know me, and tell them about me. Tell them that they don't have to live in their situation because I love them. 
I need you to get them here so I can love them and hug them and spend time with them and kiss them and give them blessings. And if they're in, if they're in financial lack, I'm going to give them prosperity. If they're sick in their bodies, I'm going to heal them because you're going to lay your hands on them and they're going to get a healing. And if they come in because they ate of something nasty, if they got some kind of illness and cancers consume their bodies, I'm going to heal them because it says it will not be deadly to them. That is our mandate. Not only are we supposed to tell people that Jesus loves them, but we're supposed to say, hey, hey, guess what? I got an answer to all your problems. Oh, you're sick? We'll heal you. Oh, you're financially unstable? You'll be successful and prosper. Oh, you think you're ugly? Well, let me tell you what God says about you. Oh, you've done too much to come to church? Oh, I don't care. And like Casey said before, we can always use another hypocrite. If a person ever tells you they don't go to church because they're hypocrites, you just look right at them and you say, we got a seat for one more. We may be, but so are you. It's not something to be proud of, but we do. We make mistakes. That's why we have Jesus. Duh. If you start to act perfect when you got lack in your own life and want to preach to everybody else, well, I'll let God talk to you about that. We are the righteousness of Christ Jesus, but that don't mean we don't make mistakes. We are called children of God because we are worth it all. We are worth it all. God did not just make the world and make one little portion for mankind and say, you know, I'm going to do whatever I want with the rest of it because they're not, I mean, they're all right, but, you know, I want to do other things. He created a world for us. And then when we separated ourselves from him, he went and made heaven and said, I got a second place for you. Don't worry about this because I made another heaven. I made another place for you. You may not have dominion now, and there may be an enemy that's, well, we still have dominion, but we have an enemy that lives here too. And he's annoying. And he's, he's stupid. And he tries to come and he tries to do these things, but heaven won't have him, right? So God said, I'm going to give you a place without him. And he created another place. What kind of love is that? What kind of love is that that he said, you know what? I will give you a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a 20th chance. I will give you a 50th chance. And it actually says in his word that if someone, an enemy comes to you and wants something, that you're to give it to him. And there, I think there's a principle there. It's not because God wants us to be walked on like some kind of welcome mat. It's because we have to betray the love that he has for us to other people or they'll never know him. It may be the 50th time before they get it. And I'm not saying that there aren't people that are poison for you, that are bad for you, and you seek God in that. And then God will create another person to help them with their, with their situation. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is don't just give up on people because they mess up one time because he's given you lots of chances because you're worth it. You are so worth it. He created you once to have a companionship with him. Why? What do you think God will feel when you're not in heaven with him, when he's done all of this and then you're not there. You know, he wants you. That's all he wants is you. He wants you. You're his favorite. I am his absolute favorite. <laughs> Ask him. He'll tell you. 
in the same way that we would do anything for our loved ones, our children, our grandparents, our grandkids, especially the grandkids. God will do that for you. He already has, actually. Every moment of every day, the things that you go through, the things that you face, when you look in the mirror and you don't like who you are, all those lies that the enemy tells you, God already has taken care of it. You are not the first woman to walk to the mirror and think you're ugly. You are not the first one. You are not the last one. And you are not the only one. You're not the first mom to think you're not good as the other moms. You're not the first dad that thinks you're not successful enough to provide for your family. Okay? You're not alone in that. But I will tell you this. You're not to identify with it either. Because that's not who you are. You are perfect in the image of God. You are perfect. You are the righteousness. The Bible says that we are the righteousness of Christ Jesus. That the moment he died on the cross and took the curse, we were no longer sinners. And I know this is going to ruffle some feathers, and that's okay. I'm good with that. Stop identifying yourself as a sinner saved by grace. Because you're not anymore. Stop saying you are. You're not a sinner. You are the righteousness of Christ Jesus. If somebody says, I'm a sinner. Nope, I'm the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Yeah, but you sin yesterday, but I'm the righteousness of Christ Jesus. God doesn't see me, he sees Jesus. When God looks at you, when he looks down at Lindsay, he does not see the sin in her life. He can't. He said, I have forgotten all of those things. When I see Lindsay, I see blood. When I see Lindsay, I see blood. Hey, open that book. Open that book up. Is Lindsay's name in there? It's spelled with an A. Lindsay. Do you not know how to read? Yeah, Alexander. Yeah, she got married. She's still in there. Yeah, but you don't know what she did yesterday. I don't care. Because when I looked at her heart, she was saved. When I looked at her heart, she's seeking me. When I looked at her heart, I know her. We have a relationship. She talks to me. I don't care what you have to say. I don't care what she did yesterday because I don't know anything about that. When I see her, I see the blood. If there's anything that I can say to you today, if there's anything that you can remember when you walk out of this place, and I'm going to, what time is it right now? You think we could pray for people? Okay. Oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. Y'all don't tell Pastor John and Pastor Ann. Okay. So I want you to remember something today. If you remember nothing else, I want you to remember this, that you are worth it. You are loved. You are beautiful. You are valuable and you are important. And nothing that you do or other people do or nothing that you say or other people say will ever change the way God feels about you. Nothing. 